How many of you can't even read your own writing, let alone someone else's? Well, how you doing? You look great. Just amazing. I'm loving this summer and enjoying it. I hope you're having fun. And Anybody get any vacation time in yet this summer? Anybody? A few of you? How many of you have it coming up? How many of you just work your whole life? Just Okay. Okay, I get that. Hey, one fast thing, August 3rd, we have an, uh, a special called business meeting. It shouldn't take very long at all, just a few minutes, but we need to get a vote to transfer the property from the Hunt Club that we bought to Genesis Project so they can continue the remodel, and we'll be giving you all the details of that. So uh, we should have emailed you. If we have an email address for you, check your spam filter if you didn't get it, because it might have gone in there. Uh, if we don't have an email address and you're a member of Timberline, then we send a hard copy in the mail. So just be watching for that, all right? Well, it's fun to be in this series, Little Big Books. And I think by now you've caught on that these books are small in size, not a lot of words, but they're big in meaning. Now, I get to do one of the smallest books in all of the Bible. It is called Philemon. How many of you have ever read Philemon? Okay. It's an interesting book, isn't it? It's, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of about this guy named Onesimus who ran away from Philemon. And I want to talk about him. So Onesimus, I want you to say it with me. Ready? Onesimus. One more time. Onesimus. Now, the, 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 what I'm going to do, I'm kind of doing a little different. I want to tell you the story. And then I want to read the book of Philemon, because it's 25 verses long. And we're going, to, we're going to read it as we go through this outline on the back of your program. I think six or seven thoughts there that we're going to fill in in a little while. But for now, I just want you to think about a couple things with me. The most important thing that I think is in this life, as we know it on earth, is relationships. It, it starts obviously with our relationship with God, but... But because we are human and we live on this earth, relationships with each other become the most important thing that we have or do. Relationships, I believe, is what brings you the most joy you can have in your life and the what? The most pain that you can ever have in your life. And now don't start poking people right now. Relationships are costly, and it's hard to have healthy ones. It's hard to have all of them healthy. And there's no doubt in my mind that you have some relationships that have sort of, as they say, gone south. Someone that something happened, a misunderstanding, a mistrust, a lie, someone cheated or stole, or and, and, and boom, you're done. And you just, maybe it ended, but it's not fully over. Maybe there's still feelings in your heart. We, we know all about relationships, and we're not very good at it. If you can allow me just to talk a little bit. I remember as a kid, first time I really felt the power of relationship, I was like eight or nine or so, and Colette wrote a note to my friend for me to read that said she really didn't like me anymore. Years of therapy, I'm, I'm better now. <laughs> that, was, that was that feeling of, wow, you know, there's rejection is a possibility here. And, and I think it's very real. We all know what some of that feels like. You have family, you have 
aunts and uncles or parents. We all have parents. If you're married, you have a wife or a husband. You have kids, maybe great kids, maybe grandkids. I, I think about relationships in life that we have that you don't even necessarily ask to have, like neighbors. How many of you have those? I'm blessed with great neighbors, and I really mean that. They're just wonderful people. And But I've heard stories about people who have neighbors that just make life miserable for the whole neighborhood. And that's a relationship. That's a tension. That's a, a challenge. I think about um, employee-employer. You know, some of you have people who work for you. And, and maybe you like them, they're a friend, but there's still a tension because that, that tension means you've got to get certain things done with them. Do they like you? Do they want to be around you? Is it a good working environment? Some of you have coworkers. You're not sure about the whole thing. Can I trust this person? It's very important. You have a relationship with the world. Let me just say three, three letters. I R S. You have a relationship with the IRS. Um, you have a social security number that identifies you in many ways and a lot about your life. If you're part of a health club, you're in relationship with an organization. If you get an electric bill at your home or the lights come on when you flip a switch, you are in a relationship. Banks, money issues, loans, a cell phone, you're in a relationship all of these things have relationships. When you drive a car, you're trusting that that person on the other side of the road will obey the rules, that they will stop because the light is red. And we live our lives with these relationships and the trust that has to happen in order for us to do what we do. It's, it's powerful when you think about it. Well, Paul, who wrote this letter to Philemon, Paul is in prison. Now, most scholars believe he's in prison in Rome. It's possible that he was in Ephesus. It's kind of where he got in trouble. But we know that he is in prison and he meets this young man named Onesimus. Now let me tell you the backstory. Onesimus has been a servant or a slave. The Bible uses the word slave. There are many forms of slaves in the Roman Empire, which I'll talk about in a second. The Bible does not endorse slavery, never has. As a matter of fact, everywhere Christianity went, the oppression on slaves, it was released. Thanks be to God. But in this story, Onesimus worked for Philemon. Now, sometimes people would call someone a slave who is simply working off a debt. They didn't have loan systems like we have. So sometimes people would help someone out and say, Okay, you owe me two years of your life to work here on the farm. When that's done and your debt is paid, you're, you're free to go. And they were literally bound to them legally to get it done. Well, Onesimus, we don't know what happened. Scholars, man, I've read so many possible what-ifs. We don't know why the relationship blew up. But Philemon and Onesimus, Onesimus was gone one day. And Philemon didn't know where he went, didn't like it. There's no sign that there's harsh words, but there's definitely a conflict. And we know that because of what Onesimus tells Paul. So Onesimus shows up in prison to minister to Paul, and Paul leads him to the Lord. <laughs> That's a great story. Can you imagine Onesimus sitting there with Paul going, yeah, Paul's saying, tell me about your story, what's your history? And he's saying, well, you know, I used to work for this guy named Philemon over in this city. And Paul's like, Philemon, Philemon? And Onesimus is like, Oh, no. <laughs> Tell me you don't know him. 
Oh yeah, I know them. We're dear friends. Because they were. So Onesimus tells the story to Paul. And he lays it out there. Maybe Paul knows all the details. Maybe he just knows a little bit. But he only knows the side of Onesimus. It's hard when you only know one side. So Paul says, Onesimus, look, you've got to go back and face this giant in the closet, this ghost in the closet. You've got to, you've got to go take care of this. Philemon is a brother in the Lord. He's a great man. I'm going to write him a letter. And we have the letter in the Bible that he wrote to Philemon to get Onesimus back in relationship. The power of this day is about how God can mend and heal awkward relationships in your life. I want you to work at this today. This is, this is hard. It's a tough weekend for some of you who have broken relationships and you've tried and you don't know what to do. It might not be that today you run out of here and go call someone and try to make it right. That might be the most foolish thing you could do, so I'm not suggesting that. But we're going to go very softly and very smoothly through a potential process by which you can help restore a relationship that God would want you to restore. Okay? Because we all probably have some of those. And so let me just, let me just, I think in your outline there, it's, uh, let me read Galatians 3 because it talks about slavery because that word's in there and it's confusing to people. The Bible says there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We all have the same value in the kingdom of God. No matter what your title, how much money you make, it doesn't matter. We all have the same value. We are valued by God. Now, Paul writes this letter with several things in mind. Let me just read the first part of the letter. It says, this letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and I want you to know it's not just to Philemon, it's also to Aphia, and to a fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. Philemon had a church that met in his house. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, Paul knows where he's going to go with this letter, but he hasn't jumped in yet. He's giving a greeting and he's involving other people. So I put in your notes there, keys for navigating through awkward relationships. And that's really where I want to spend some time. I have six or seven points that I want you to just write down and think about. In your notes, there's a little statement that says, let's acknowledge that they were both believers because that is important. Onesimus was not a believer before he met Paul, who was in prison. So it might have been partly a spiritual battle between Philemon and Onesimus. It might not have had anything to do with God. It could have been money. It could have been land. It could have been dishonesty. Who knows what it was? But Onesimus has left, and now he's come to faith, and Paul is writing this letter saying, let's talk. The first thing I want you to jot down If you're going to navigate through awkward relationships, is you're going to need to acknowledge just what the relationship is. You're going to have to deal uh, deal with the fact that this is this kind of a relationship. My wife, Bonnie, that's the most important relationship on the earth that I have with anybody. Now, if we're gonna if we're gonna argue about something, if we're gonna be frustrated at each other which happened one time in our marriage. <laughs> it's pretty important, isn't it, that, that I understand that this relationship is a lifetime relationship. This, this isn't 
John Doe on the street that I'm going to see twice in my life. I need to, I need to go all in for this relationship called marriage in my life and I need to get it right. And I can't just stuff it under the rug and hope it gets better tomorrow. Because if I do that and resentment grows in my life toward my wife, then every day I'm just going to sweep a little more under there and the bricks start to get laid. And the bricks get taller and suddenly there's a wall and it gets higher and higher and higher. And suddenly I don't like my wife anymore. She doesn't like me anymore. And all of a sudden we're not dealing with fixing what is broken. We're not even acknowledging it. She's just wrong and I'm just right. And all the men said, Amen. And all the ladies said, We know better. There is going to be tension in important relationships. Some of you are chasing your kids down. You love them, but it's hard. There's, there's something has happened and it's frustrating and you don't know what else to do. Maybe it's a dad or a mom or a brother or sister. There are just so many possibilities for things to go wrong in relationships. And it hurts. And we come to our church and we sing praise songs and we worship God and our heart sometimes aches because we don't know how to fix it. I need to first of all acknowledge, okay, this is the truth about the relationship. This is where it really is. Is this negotiable? Is this something that matters a lot to me or can I let it go? Is it just a little thing? Um, will my communication help or hinder this? Am I talking about it well? Am I being honest? Am I a good listener? All those things start to happen. I need to understand what relationship this is. The second thing I want you to write down, and then we'll read some more scripture out of Philemon, is this. Find some things that you can admire and respect in the person. You know, one of the things that really is, is tough in relationships that have gotten awkward is you tend to think and dwell on the things you don't like about that person. And you can be friends with someone for a long time and all of a sudden something goes bad and that's all you think about. And that wound, and it just goes deeper and deeper and then you think why and then you don't understand and then pretty soon you are consumed with that and you forget all the wonderful traits and qualities that they have in their life that attracted you to them in the first place. That's what anger does. That's what disappointment does. That's what resentment does. And it's very important for us to say, okay, are there some good qualities? Are there some traits in this person that I can admire? And Paul starts with that. Verse 4. Follow this. It's amazing. Paul says, Philemon, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother. For your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Why? What is Paul doing here? Is he buttering him up? In, in, in a sense, he's acknowledging what a great guy he is. He's, he's really saying, I believe in you. I know you're going to do the right thing. Now, he's about to say what it is, and, and Philemon might gulp, okay? But first, he starts out by saying, you're a great guy. I love you. I respect you. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you're going to have a heart-to-heart with someone that you disagree with, find some good traits. Find some, offer some grace. Think about what they do well. Commend them for what they do well. Let them know that you're not just here to have a fight. It's very important. And in the heat of the battle, that's not as easy to do. Paul is trying to establish that trust in this relationship because he has to deliver something. 
I think, I think is, it, is it a true statement that every person on the planet has a trait that is worth our respect? I, I think that's true. I might not like the direction they go. Let me just say one word, Hitler. Any great traits there? Yeah, there's some amazing traits there in leadership. Going the wrong direction. But, but there are traits that I can look at you and I can look at anyone and say, there's certain qualities that you have that are probably God-given. You can abuse them or use them properly. But if I know that about you and I know God made you, and God had something in mind. It can take the sting of that hurt away from me. So that I can at least acknowledge, look, I've got to figure this out. Even if it's just for me. I, I really think we've got to try to build bridges rather than burn them. If we're going to confront someone with an issue, it's always good to say, start with, I respect you, here's why. We disagree. I'm not sure how it happened. But we need to talk. We need to get this on the table. Um, what does it mean to see the best in someone? The third thing in your outline is this. Be gentle and honest. Now this is where it gets tricky because do you think you can be confrontive and still be gentle? I believe you can. People aren't very good at it. Usually people are angry when they're confronting and they're venting and they're not really thinking very well what they're saying because they're just mad. You know, it's like the little, the little kid who just gets red in the face and starts shaking, holding on, you know. It's just, they don't know what to do. There's all this emotion and they're just, they've just had it. And sometimes as adults, it just comes out with a lot of harsh words. And, and that is a discipline that I think we need to really think about. Look at what Paul does. He actually jumps into this conversation now with Philemon about Onesimus and he's going to bring it right to a clear view. <laughs> I'll show you in the text. This is very unique. I, I want you to know about Philemon when we're done here, okay? Paul actually does a little play on words here with Onesimus. And I don't know if it's his attempt at humor, because um, Paul doesn't really have much of a sense of humor, typically. But I'll, I'll show you where it is. The, the name Onesimus means useful one. So watch this. Verse 10. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Right now, Philemon's going, what? Are you serious? This is crazy. Onesimus, the useful one, hasn't been much use to you in the past. But now he's very useful to both of us. Paul doesn't use the word useful anywhere else. He just He's doing this thing on Onesimus' name. I'm sending him back to you. And with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on our, your behalf. But I didn't want, look, look at this. I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. That is a huge part of this story. Paul is submitting to Philemon. He's saying, look, I know there's something that happened here. I know part of the story. I don't know your side, but I love you, brother. And I know this guy is messed up. He hasn't been Onesimus. He hasn't been useful. But now he's going to be because he's come to faith. And he's a good kid and I want you to give him a chance. But I don't want you to feel forced to do it just because of our friendship. I want you to make it a matter of prayer and think about how you're going to do it. This is a great picture of Paul trying to get the conversation going. 
And for some of you, it's just how can you navigate in that relationship to get a conversation going? Again, be really wise about this. Uh, I don't want you running out of here today making a phone call saying, we should talk. <laughs> they might just hang up on you and say, never again. But we can be prayerful about how those relationships can restart and God can help us. It took Paul, a guy in prison, to write a letter to Philemon so that Philemon would open his heart and see this life change. You know, I've lost my patience with people before. Um, I know others have lost their patience with me. Sometimes you just get done. You just can't do it anymore. You're just sick of the situation or you've been hurt. And it's frustrating. These are real. Um, but you try to try to be honest with yourself. Have you ever had someone say to you, can I be really honest with you? <laughs> Is that a good thing? I always kind of like to say, as opposed to what? Because if it's less hurtful to lie, go ahead and try that first. No. Usually what they mean is, can I be frank with you? Can I tell you like it is? And then you're kind of putting your heart out there and there's a risk that they might say something that would wound you. But honest conversation has to happen in order for healing to take place. You don't have to agree. But Paul is going to force this conversation between Onesimus and Philemon. They've got to have it or they're not going to move forward. And I'm proud of Paul for that. And I think there are a lot of relationships that go south and we just walk away and we never... You don't doesn't mean you have to reestablish friendship. It just means that your end of the stick is clean and you can move on for you. This whole idea of forgiveness we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, okay, let's just put it this way. Onesimus has come to faith now. Okay, this is a real dilemma for Christians sometimes. Let's say that you commit a crime and you go to prison. And you go to prison and someone there leads you to faith in Jesus Christ. So you truly have remorse for what you've done. You are forgiven. God has wiped your sin clean. So you write the judge and say, you won't believe it. I have come to faith in Jesus Christ. So you can let me out of here now. Isn't this exciting? Because you know I will never do anything like that again. And the judge will say, oh, wonderful, you can be out by tomorrow, right? No. Why? Because there's consequences. There are, there's consequence in our lives for every decision that we make. Coming to faith doesn't take off the consequence. Coming to faith removes the sin. Jesus can forgive you. But sometimes Christians get really confused about, well, if they've come to the Lord now, I guess I have to just... Let them back in my life. What else am I supposed to do? Or I'm a horrible person. No. They've got to be trustworthy to reestablish trust in the relationships that they messed up in. It's their responsibility. And sometimes as Christians, we should offer grace and kindness. But it needs to be in tough love. It needs to be with conditions that are biblical conditions. That we say, look, I'm believing the best in you. But you do have something to prove. Your sins are forgiven. I know that. But for me to move on, I've got to also trust that your integrity and your character are intact. And that you're going to be a man or woman of God. And that's what, that's what Paul's trying to get out of Philemon and Onesimus here. Now, I want you to just think about Paul. He, what was, what did Paul do? What was his name before he came to faith? Saul. What did he do? What was his job? Remember? He arrested Christians. He, he was a bad dude. 
And he hated believers. When he came to faith on that road, when God, that lightning bolt zapped him and the voice of God comes out, um, he tries to come and meet with the brothers. And what did they say? He said, no way. You hate us. We don't trust you. And someone stepped in on Paul's behalf. His name was Barnabas. Barnabas did this time and time again for people. Paul knew the power of someone who would take your hand and walk you through it. That's why Paul is now doing this for Onesimus. He's saying, look, I see this kid. He's rough and raw. He's, he's made some mistakes. Look, I just want to say, believe in that grandkid. They don't have everything right. They may not get it right. Believe in your kids. Trust your children. Talk to your family. Establish a relationship in your world to where you can, you can actually talk about those things that aren't going so great. God would be honored if we could have conversations like that. Good grief. Am I only on number four? Next weekend, this, this sermon, my sermon next week is only going to have like three points. Okay? I got too much in here. Number four, work hard to find a way forward. Work hard to find a way forward. Paul is committed to this. Look at verse 15. He says, Philemon, it seems you lost Onesimus for a little while, that you could have him back forever. Paul's getting clever here, isn't he, in his writing. He's, he's basically making this point. You guys have had a tough go, and it's been silent, and there's no connection. But now if we do this right, he's coming back as a different young man, and you guys can hang out for the rest of your life. Let's get this repaired. Let's do the work. And let's be in right relationship and right standing with God and with others. That's important to the kingdom of God. Um, I love that. He also, you know, he, he says in verse 16, he's no longer like a slave to you. He's more than a slave. He's my beloved brother, especially to me. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now, he will mean much more to you, do as a man, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. He's, he's really flipping this around. Philemon's got to just be going, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe it. And he's saying, how important is this relationship? Number five, involve the right people. This is a good point for some of you to really take seriously because you're trying to do this by yourself. If you have a busted relationship and you've tried on your own to go fix it and it just keeps getting worse, then you need to involve a mediator, a professional, or someone, if that person is willing. Because if all you do is argue more, you're not going to help the situation. You're just not going to help it. I know this is super practical, but listen, this is where we live. This is the real world. People are wearing their feelings and their anger right on their sleeve. You cross people in this culture, they will chop you down. And there's some mean-spirited people out there that say they're people of faith. And as the true people of God, we've got to really be careful with this. And we've got to honor God with our actions. And so I like to involve other people. Get a best friend. Get someone who they trust at the table with you. And be a listener. And don't just do all the talking. Don't just vent your side of the story. But I think Philemon needs to talk to Onesimus. I think Onesimus needs to explain to Philemon what's really going on. That's why Paul says, I'm writing this letter to you, to you, to you, and to you. There's like four people and to the house church because he wants this to get done. He doesn't want Paul or Philemon to be able to rip it up and go, never saw the letter, which he wouldn't do anyway. But there's proof that he's not alone. 
Number six, try not to burn bridges. Try not to burn bridges. You know, we burn bridges sometimes without even realize, realizing that we're doing it by the words we say, the behaviors we have. But it is important to keep an open mind. In verse 21, Paul makes this really big statement more about him and, and Philemon than about Onesimus. Look at it. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me. For I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. So not only does he say, get this fixed with, with Onesimus, but I'm coming for dinner. There's this wonderful kind of ability in Paul to say, look, I value you. I'm not just asking you to do me a favor. I'm trying to add value to your life and I'm going to come and talk to you and we're going to hang out. And uh, could you prepare that guest room for me? It's amazing. What a friendship. What a relationship. Your relationships matter to me. You say, well, you don't know these people. You, what does it matter to you? It matters to me because your health is depending on it. Your spiritual ability to climb out of the darkness and stay out of depression and not live with resentment is dependent on your ability to overcome awkward relationships in your life. And you're going to have them. You're going to have them. And it's so important. That's why this letter is written and it's why it's in the Bible. I've watched people who just get so caught up in the moment that they just blow bridges up and there's never a way for someone to come back. It might be on your deathbed someday someone comes back. I want to be on my deathbed someday knowing I haven't blown up any bridges for anyone who wants to talk. And I don't have enemies that I know of. But I'm telling you, this life offers those challenges for us. And I'm just going to say, as a church, as a pastor, as a leader... This matters so much for you and your health. The last thing that I want to say before we pray about this, and this is tough, especially if, if the heat is still in the relationship, but try to bless them. Try to bless them. Paul left his letter with a blessing. You know, when the Bible says, pray for your enemies, do you think it means it? So here's how we pray. God Blow them up, make them suffer, let them pay. We love praying for our enemies. No, that isn't, that isn't the heart. We pray for our enemies because it softens our heart. It changes our tone. It prepares us for the Spirit to massage us and work in us so that we don't carry this anger with us all the time. He says this, verse 25, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May he be with you, Philemon. You are a great man. You're making a difference. But I'm asking for the grace of God to be upon you. Let's pray together. Lord, I want that for us in this room right now. I want it for me. The grace of God. Wow. I need that grace, Lord, to navigate through relationships in my life. We all need it. Let us offer this kind of love, this kind of care. Let this little big book impact us in a big way to show us that it's so important. You, you, it's included in the Word of God. I want you with heads bowed to just raise a hand if you know I'm talking to you and God's prompting your heart. You're struggling in a relationship that is messed up and you just... You just need to give it to God. You need to pray right now. Let me pray over you. Just hold your hand up, please. 
It's good. You can trust God. Lord, you know our hearts. You know what's going on in us. And regardless of, of what we did or didn't do or whose fault or who to blame, it's awkward. And we need you. I need you. I'm asking you to prepare the hearts, whatever that means, just to renew the desire, just to weep through it, just to overcome some anger. God, just do what only God can do. We've done our thing. But I just pray that we will be healthy about this. All we can do is take care of our end of the stick, but help us to do that today, Lord. Show us how we can learn to press through in this. Show us if we're supposed to have a conversation or not. Some things we can move on from without that conversation, but others it may require that. Lead us. Give us wisdom to know. Discernment to know. Secondly, how many of you would just say, I need the strength to forgive? Doesn't mean there are no longer any consequences. Doesn't mean they have to be in right relationship with you again. But this is more for you selfishly, and I don't mean that word bad, for you to move on with your life. You can't carry this anymore. You're tired of it. And you need to let it go. And God's asking that of you. I want to pray over you. Hold up a hand if that's you. God bless you so much. This is hard to do, but I'm just going to let, let today be your day where you just say, God, I'm taking this as a sign from you that I'm going to move on. I still may be hurt. I still may have feelings, but I'm going to move on. I'm going to trust you. Lord, I pray that today will mark us that with our mind and with our feet, we voted to move forward. We said of our will, let's go. I'm going to, I'm going to walk away from this. And I'm going to move on with my life. And it's not going to hold me captive another moment. Lastly, if you need Jesus today, would you just pray this with me? Lord, I know I'm separated from you. I feel your presence today. And I need you. Would you cleanse my heart, my mind, my life? Give me my future in your plan, the way you see it. Thanks for dying on that cross for me. I believe it and I accept it by faith. And I give you my future. For the glory of God, we pray all these things in your mighty name, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and be available up front today. Some of you just might need to take a hand and pray with somebody and talk a little bit. Feel free to do that. That's why we're up here. Otherwise, I want you to think a lot this week about your relationships and how God can heal and restore all those moments in your life to give you a great future because you have a great future ahead of you lord we go now we need your blessing your grace bestow it upon us for the glory of god for the advancement of the kingdom of god we will work we will live and we will serve in your precious name we pray amen everybody say it with me the service starts now god bless you go make a difference this week thanks for coming to the